Motorsport Magazine for the very best in motor racing. Hello everybody and welcome to another Motorsport Magazine podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. This month we come to you from the MotoGP paddock at Silverstone on the Wednesday before the British Grand Prix, this coming Sunday of course. And with us today we have Cal Crutchlow from the Monster Yamaha team. In fact, we're recording this in the uh, team hospitality area right behind the pits at Silverstone. So there's plenty going on, I can assure you. People are running in all directions, making sure everything's ready, of course, for practice on Friday. Before we get underway with Carl Crutchlow, let me just tell you about some great offers we have here at Motorsport Magazine and some great savings on one and two year subscription deals. Now of course a subscription to Motorsport is by far the best way of keeping in touch. You get it every month, saves going out to find it. Also of course uh, Motorsport has its very own motorcycle racing writer, that's former TT winner Matt Oxley. And Matt is with us on the podcast today as well, which is a very good thing because neither Ed Foster nor I know a huge amount about MotoGP racing. Anyway, as well as Matt Oxley in the magazine, we have, of course, motorcycle tests and we are famous for our Formula One coverage, our opinions and descriptions of Formula One, as well, of course, as sports car racing and historic racing. So that's Motorsport Magazine. This is our podcast. We're at Silverstone and Cal Crutchlow is here. Cal, can I just get the ball rolling by uh, asking you to tell us why you're calling yourself the Honey Badger? I I can't help noticing on the uh, TV coverage that the Honey Badger is written in large capital letters across the back of your leathers. And I trust this is a story for a family show. Um, it stemmed back from a couple of months ago, actually. Uh, we had uh, we watched like the YouTube video of this honey badger that goes crazy, and he's like the most feared rodent, and he gets back up from sort of nothing. So it got escalated from that, and then it suddenly turned into a logo on my leathers. So, uh, but people quite like it, and it was quite funny that a week before um, somebody did a, a comic, and I came out as Nasher. So they're pretty close. Um, so we'll, we'll see if it's going to carry on over the year, hopefully. Have I got this right then? You're a kind of a mixture between Dennis the Menace's dog and a badger. I think so, yeah. But um, I don't know. It must be because it's a little bit aggressive. It's, uh, you know, it's ready to attack at any time and it doesn't really care um, about anything, which is pretty much the same as me now and again. <laughs> Only now and again, though. And, and do you like the, the uh, Nasher thing? Because obviously that's, um, I think Sprocket did that. And, and, and do, you like, do you like that analogy being called Nasher? Yeah, it's quite funny. Um, you know, the the best one was was the actual whole picture. If you saw the whole picture, then you you'll get it. Um, but yeah, I don't mind it. It's uh, it's a bit of a, a slogan or logo, and people who know me off the track know I'm a little bit different. But on the track, probably a bit of a you know sort of menace, as you said. Well, it's it's done you very well, hasn't it? I mean, here you are in MotoGP, which I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? And here we are in the paddock for the British Grand Prix, your home race. Um, could you take me round a lap of Silverstone because I've never been round on a bike and I, I want you to tell me where the really quick bits are and where the tricky bits are. You want to come a lap on the back or you want me to, to you, talk <laughs> you a lap? Well, I, I would pay I a lot of money to see Rob on the back of a bike. 
<laughs> should have come in a couple of weeks ago. There was uh, we took quite a lot of journalists out around the track, and it was uh, it was a good experience. You know, we had a fantastic day as well, sunshine, and uh, we managed to take some of the some of the big British media on on the back. Um, but yeah, it's good 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 fun. Um, but as the track goes, um, there's sections I really really like, and there's sections that you know I'm not really too fussed about. But it doesn't mean that I don't like them. So. The ones I'm not fussed about is the second corner, because of last year. Um, and then the really, really good parts are the old start and finish straight. Well, the you know woodcut coming onto there is a really, really nice corner. That whole stadium section there is really nice. Um, if you get that right on a lap, you know, and you know you've got it right. Um, it's just one of those feelings where I think, yeah, I got I got that section really, really good, and you can take real good time out of people. Um, also, the old first corner. Then I love the run down to Maggots Beckett. So yeah. That's probably one of my favourite yeah, yeah, yeah. bits. Maggots um, is amazing. I don't really know why. I think you know over over the years I've always saw it as a as a place to gain time, but also it's quite physical going from from left to right. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to sort of go back three gears and brake at the same time. We all don't really know how we do it, but we do it, and um, that's probably one of my you know favourite sections. That whole um, it's really really fast. You know from the old. Uh, Final corner, all the way to Maggots Beckett's is really fast, so it's a great section. And what are you pulling down the hangar straight on a bike? I don't know, I'd say near on, not too far off 200 mile an hour, to be honest. It can't be that far away. Um, if the corner onto the straight was a little bit faster, I think we'd probably get over the 200 mile an hour, but I don't know, maybe 195 or something. But uh, I'll, t I'll tell you tomorrow, uh, well, uh, Friday afternoon. <laughs> It's faster than, um, because of all the downforce, they actually go faster than an F1 car down there, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah, I know at Barcelona straight we do as well. Um, it's just the deceleration that we have to consider a little bit more than them. <laughs> yeah, yes, people are always talking about, um, you know, the, like the, the flow of a circuit. And uh, since Silverstone's been changed, is that, is that, have you lost some of that? Because people always talked about Silverstone being such a, like a flowing, quick track. Um, no, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I know we've got a couple of chicanes in it, but, you know, I, I like Silverstone because it's got slow corners, medium corners and fast corners. You know, it's got a bit of everything. The only thing it hasn't got is uh, is up and down, but it's built on an airfield. So it's, you're not going to find any up and down around here. Um, but at the end of the day, it, they've made a fantastic facility out, out of this track. Um, there's many different tracks as well. You know, there's a short circuit, there's a medium circuit and the long circuit. But um, we're fortunate we have a, a great circuit to ride here at Silverstone. And you kind of, most of all, kind of like bit fast, big ballsy corners, don't you? That's the kind of stuff that you really like, Philip Island and places like that. What are your favourite corners in the world? Um, yeah, the fast ballsy corners are, are my aim. Um, but <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't really have... A favourite corner. I could say there, Woodcut. That's pretty. You know, that's pretty special. Um, but also the end of Mizano back straight. That fast kink there. The the six gear kink there. I quite like that. That's that was really really fun on a super sport bike and a super bike. Last year on a GP bike it wasn't as fun, but um, it was. Uh, yeah, that's fast on a on a MotoGP bike. You, I think. Tell me if I'm wrong because I'm not a motorcycle racing person. But you compared. Uh, the super bikes to the MotoGP bikes as like a scooter against a real motorcycle, is that right? Uh, similar, I actually described it quite a lot as uh, GP bikes are like Formula 1 cars 
And superbikes are like your touring cars, Ford Focuses or whatever. You know, it, it, there's such a difference, and there is a difference. I know they've both got four, all got four wheels or two wheels or, you two know, wheels, yeah. But <laughs> Formula One cars got four wheels and <laughs> yes. Ford Focus got four. But um, yeah, there are other brands out there other than Ford. So I'd say BMW first and foremost. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's like a production-based uh, car versus an F1 car and a production-based bike versus a GP bike. And it's as simple as that. There's such a big difference. You don't see... Grand Prix means one-off. It means built for racing. You know, you don't see uh, a Formula 1 car driving down the street. So you shouldn't see a GP bike driving down the street, you know. So that's what it stems from. And that's what they're built for. You know, you'd never want to ride one of these GP bikes on the road. I can tell you that. If you hit a pothole, you'd know about it. <laughs> can, I ask you, can I ask you a real layman's question here? And that is, I watch every race on TV. And the thing that I can never get my head round is how far off the motorcycle you are in some of those corners. Now, are you sort of hanging on to it with real strength? Or is it... Or explain to me how you managed to, you know, be so far off it and hold it upright. Um, or don't you know? No, but it's, it's about the G-forces and about the grip as well. It's not about, you know, yeah, you can hang off it as far as you want, but at some point you're going to exceed the limit of adhesion now, you know, and, and fall off it. But, yeah, it'll be about the G-forces. It'll be about, um, you know, the grip that you've got available to yourself at that time. But luckily, most people know the grip or know, you know, it's not, it's a hard one to explain because yeah, I'm no scientist, but no, no, sure. I'm sure a scientist could tell you a bit more than me. But all I know is that you hang off and you still stay on to an extent <laughs> yeah, um, and go as fast as you can. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite easy to work out, but it's not, I know for people who don't race motorcycles, they, th they think, how, how do you go so far over? But it's not as if, it doesn't mean we can go so far over and other people can't. Right. You know, a normal guy on the road could go that far over. Yeah. As, long, as long as he's got the grip. As long and, as he's got you know, the time. I, I know that sounds stupid, but no, no, as easy as that. But don't try it on the road, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And have you, there are a few guys out there getting their elbows down nowadays. Have you, have you had your elbow down? Yeah, but I'm small, I've got tiny arms. I've got absolutely no arms at all. I could do with being sat on the floor <laughs> and stretched, but no. Um, in all honesty, uh, yeah, we've scuffed them, but on, only on curbs, you know, we don't. You, you don't really see the MotoGP guys intentionally putting them down on the tarmac, on the hot, on the bit of a raised curb, and yeah, but um, yeah, I don't stick my elbows out at all. Um, if you see Jorge, he never does either. He, Jorge does on the way out of the corner, it's really weird. Most people stick them out in the middle of the corner, not on the way out, he's the opposite way. But he's also leading the world title, so maybe we should all change. <laughs> I was going to ask you actually about coming up to this and racing against these guys I mean they are the best in the world you are one of the best in the world um, who amongst them would you say is really the standout guy I mean to us it looks like Stoner as a rider would you say that he's just that bit special um, I have different views on this because you know I've always been a, a guy that grew, grew up watching Valentino so I would always say Valentino because of what he's done and what he's done for the sport and how fast he's been over the years. Maybe just this year he's not as fast as what he usually was, but he's still as fast as ever. It's just maybe something hasn't clicked at the minute. Now, Stoner is by far the fastest guy on the planet. But I think Lorenzo, for unbelievably speed and consistency, 
you, no one can match him. So there's three completely different things. So they're all very similar. Danny, obviously, he's always there. Um, and once he gets on his day, can be as fast as anyone, you know, and, and win races by a long way. But for actual ability of being so precise, and obviously we we get the information because we get we we can look at the data and stuff like that. And Lorenzo, lap for lap, is incredible. How he can do some some things, um, you know. Say if there's 20 laps and he can vary his lap time by 0.2 of a second over 20 laps, you've never seen anything different. You know anything like it in in your life. Can you can you learn from some of these guys? I mean, all, all right, you're obviously you're obviously. You know, in their in their league, but do you learn things by being out there with them? Yeah, you learn every time you go on the track. But you know, I think that if you ask me, some people are born with it, and some people are, are not. Um, I don't think I don't really believe I was born with it. I think I've had to work hard at it. Yeah, I've got a you know a talent to race a motorcycle, but I think that it's harder for me than it is for them. I don't mean that in a way of. Uh, you know, we're always behind them. We're always trying to catch up, sort of thing. I, I, I believe that them guys have been on a motorcycle since they were zero years old, and they've just—it's so natural to them. Where well, I started at 12 and 13, and had no interest in bikes before that, really. So I've had to um, learn to ride. So I feel I'm always learning a lot more than them, or what they need to learn. Maybe they're—you know—they're obviously at the top. They've won the world titles and that. So. Maybe once we carry on learning, we'll be a little bit closer to the front. And um, I think that, you know, they were born with their speed. Unfortunately for a lot of other guys, um, it's a little bit more difficult. You know, I believe that other guys in the championship are very similar to me. Yeah, you, you were mentioning there that, you know, you didn't start racing until quite late. Um, and your dad wasn't into bikes. We were, you know, we were talking about it beforehand. What, what kind of prompts did you to actually get in? Because, you know, as you said, it's quite late to start racing nowadays yeah no my dad was racing at the time um, but he was just privateer funded himself enjoyed doing it and doing it as a as a hobby more than anything um, and then one day I just said I'd like to have a go at it uh, jumped on a bike crashed it um, and then it went from there and he said I don't think this is for you but I persisted at it and then I'm sort of here now so that was a <laughs> that was a long story short but um, yeah we I learned to ride a gear bike the week before I raced, and the first race I went to, I did. I, I left the pit lane and did three corners and crashed. And, <laughs> and then, so it didn't start too well, I can tell you that. But you know, it's sort of persistency and determination. Uh, we've sort of ended up where we are now. What kind of bikes did your dad race then? Uh, 24-hour Le Mans, Baldur, okay. stuff like that. He did some British Superbike at the time, but just off his own back. Um, and he, he was a bit of a rocker, wasn't he, back in the day? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. <laughs> what he gets up to is none of my business. Um, no, but yeah, I think he just sort of enjoyed what he did um, and just wanted to do that as, as a bit of a hobby and never sort of had to rely on anyone else. But um, I know when I started, I had to rely on him to, to help out a, a lot. Um, but luckily, we did well sort of straight away and managed to get pick up, picked up by a team after like the second year or something. So... There's a statistic here that um, you've made the best start to a Premier Class season of a British rider since Ron Haslam in 1987. I was two then. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a good, good um, fact though, isn't it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's nice. It's nice to be thought of in, in even, 
speaking about any one of them guys, Ron, Neil, Rob Mack, you know, even Barry Sheen, people like that. If I get spoke to about in, in any of that thing, you know, it's it's real humbling. You know, I shouldn't be. I didn't, I'm just a normal guy that wanted to race a motorcycle and to be spoke about in in the same terms or same breath as them guys. It's it's really really nice, you know. But I'm just here to do my job, and my job's to do the best job I can. And if that means a great start to the season, then you know, so be it. And I'll just hopefully carry it on. Actually, but that interests me at the start of the season because. Can you explain to me why the team you're with, the Monster Yamaha team, can you realistically get with and mix it all the time with the guys right at the front on the bike you're on or not? You can, yeah, I really believe you can, but it's a lot more difficult. Um, put it this way, if you put Jorge Lorenzo on my bike, I've no doubt he'll still be near the front. I don't think he'd have the win rate or I don't think he'd be winning as easy and I think it'd be tougher for him than what it is now but the guys that ride fast they ride fast you sure. know and sure, but, but no I don't you when was the last time you seen a privateer bike win a race oh, yeah. many many years ago I can tell you that um, they'll never win a championship because you'll get to a point where the factories will also stop you winning the championship <laughs> um, yes. you know uh, Unfortunately, now uh, things are quite uh, very political in motorcycle racing as well. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, don't get me wrong. If if we were going for the title, Yamaha would back me, you know, just as much as they'd back their guys. But it, it, it wouldn't happen, and that's why you're in a privateer team because they've got the factory bikes and the factory riders. But don't get me wrong, my Yamaha is very, very good, and yeah. it's a very good package. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not too far away. It's, uh, but um, it's, you know, we're doing a good job on it at the minute. I think. Yeah. Cal, um, what are the um, do you know what the, the differences between your bike and the and the factory bikes of Lorenzo and Ben Spees? Uh, yeah, I know the differences, but am I going to tell you no? Um, <laughs> because I ride for Yamaha and I don't want to get into any trouble. Um, I Fair think enough. that yeah, at the end of the day, we know they're a little bit of a spec up on the on the chassis. Um, we know they're a little bit of a spec up on the engine, but um, we're not that far away, but. We're also um, got a lot less budget, and we're not the factory team, so we're not going to get the upgrades as and when. It's like pause here while we pass around a few cookies. It's all, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all happening. We're we're live in the paddock after all. Um, well, while we're on the subject of the politics and motorcycle racing, can I ask you about CRT? Uh, it really it really should be Matt Oxley asking you this because he's actually very well informed. But uh, Matt. I want to know, you know, why are we getting into all this stuff with CRT at this stage of what is a great championship? I, I, it's, it's a, it's a, I, I guess, um, global economic crisis, um, whatever. But, um, you know, it's, let's ask Cal what he thinks, thinks of the CRT thing. Yeah, I'm not here to uh, knock the championship at all because this championship's given me my livelihood as well as as my passion and my, and my love for the sport so do I agree with it no I do I want them on the grid I think motor should be GP should be motor GP and that's it but that's my own personal opinion now we have to do something because of the economy um, but is that the way to go I don't I really don't know it's hard to say um, I think MotoGP bikes should be MotoGP and that is it. Now, if they need to reduce the cost, they need to reduce it in another area and not do half Superbike, half GP bikes on a MotoGP grid as far as I'm concerned. But I know the, the organisers are doing a great job to try and um, 
reduce cost to get it so it's a little bit more equal for the teams that are wanting to be able to lease the bikes and stuff like that but um, it's just difficult it's difficult for all the manufacturers to have the, the the manpower as well to build these bikes to create bikes in Grand Prix racing it's not as if they're uh, as we said that the super bikes that are just coming out of the factory um, they are prototype bikes and they need someone to build them and a lot of stuff's hand built and all stuff like that so um, it's not it's not simple as just saying yeah let's run MotoGP and make it cheaper because it doesn't work like that but I know that the the guys here are doing a good job to really um, you know make it affordable for everyone I guess there is also the fact of the television coverage in the sense that if you had 12 or 13 bikes on the grid maybe the show wouldn't be quite as spectacular as it is with 20 odd 21 22 bikes yeah it, there is that but um that's what we're trying to say we're trying to get the cost down to make sure there's 20 you know 20 22 bikes on the grid but they're all MotoGP bikes and they're all similar in specification to an extent so that it's an equal playing field for, you know, because I'm not saying it's the guy with the most money wins, but as we just said, it's not it's not the the factory team have won it for how many years, you know, um, and it's so difficult for the, for the privateer teams to get a good rider and a, a good rider to be able to challenge at the front. Do you think, I mean, in it's sort of the same in F1, it's actually when you're in one of the back teams, it's very hard to get noticed. Is that the same in MotoGP or can you, you, you can put in those performances that are going to get you noticed by the factory teams? Yeah, the only problem with that is it's only your manufacturer that knows what you've got. You know, so if I'm trying to prove myself to a different manufacturer, they don't know what specification bike I'm on. They don't know if I'm on half the specification bike of the factory team, or they don't know if I'm on a better bike. That's where it becomes difficult. But, you know, they know that they're not stupid, but they're also, um, you know, obviously Yamaha know what I've got. You know, they give me the bike, they give me the chassis, the engine. So they know our specification is not up to the factory team. So, you know, it's not hard for the other manufacturers to work that out, but you know it's nice at the end of it to say wow you know we're actually not on this we're not on that but it, it doesn't work like that it's quite um it's quite political really yeah so it's not the kind of thing you can go up to another manufacturer and say by the way this is what i'm running yeah well yeah and you wouldn't you wouldn't do that anyway because you know you have clauses in your contract that is secretive <laughs> stuff that you're not going to turn around and tell them everything I, I know a lot of you guys on prototypes don't particularly enjoy sharing the track with the crt bikes because they're going two three four seconds slower a lap than you and I, I was speaking to Edwards Colin Edwards who obviously rides a CRT suited BMW at Catalonia a couple of weeks ago and he was saying he doesn't particularly enjoy sharing the track with the prototypes because he's riding <laughs> around looking behind know, yeah. well yeah and every other corner there's some guy coming flying up the inside because you've obviously got a bit better more motorcycle talk. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and he said it's kind of pretty scary um yeah he's looking behind more than he's looking in front to me it doesn't really make that much difference you know um we're not lapping them that much. It's not like a, a massive, massive difference, but um, it's not an ideal situation. Have you had any scares with them in practice? No, no, not at the minute. I'm sure I will have, though. <laughs> Hopefully not this weekend. Um, Carl, we've got a lot of questions from readers here, which I'd like to ask you a few of them. Uh, otherwise, there's no point in them asking them. Um, Mr. Hilton, Eric Hilton, he wants to know what is better, more top end or better late braking? As far as you as a rider is concerned? More top end. Yeah. <laughs> it's safer. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you have to brake lakes, you've got no speed, then it, it, it doesn't do you. Um, 
put it this way, Danny Petroza is 49 kilos. He's always going to be a rocket ship in a straight line, and he doesn't have to break as late as half, half of us because he's got the acceleration, he's got the speed at the end of the straight. Um, he can break a little bit earlier and, and get away with it. So, yeah, we pre all prefer more speed. I guess, actually, on a motorcycle, your own body weight is, is pretty damn important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it really, really, really yeah. is. It? And a lot of the riders are 15 kilos heavier than him. It it's then lot. becomes difficult, yeah. Yeah, yeah, OK. Um, Mr. Weingart would like to know, would you consider going to Ducati in 2013? Um, would I consider it? Yes. Um, does he want any more of the question? Uh, yes, because, <laughs> yeah. because uh, an awful lot... Because he's not going to get much else. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the readers are, 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 are thinking that you might have a terrific chance for next season. I know it's only halfway through this season, but... Uh, do you have thoughts on where you'd really like to be? I mean, are you talking to anybody? Yeah, of course I have thoughts, and my priority is to stay with Yamaha. You know, I've had four great with them. Um, last year was very tough, and they stuck by me. Um, and this year's, you know, been going very well, um, and they treat me the same as what they did last year, you know, and I like that about Yamaha. They're a, a great company, and if I can stay with them, then hopefully that, that'll be the case. But there's no doubt, if I think we warrant a factory ride, then I hope we, we get it. Whether it's in Yamaha or not, I really don't know, because one seat's already gone. Yeah, that's right. OK. Yeah, we, we, there's, there's a question, actually, from one of the reasons, I'm not quite sure which one it is, but about Bradley Smith. Um, what are your, your views on it? Because he's had a difficult season so far this year. Uh, Matt and I were talking about him earlier. Is he, t is he ready to step up? I don't know, you're better off asking him. <laughs> okay. um, I thought that was coming halfway he said, through the question, actually. He said, he said the other day that he... Uh, he hopes to replicate what I did in my first year, or at least replicate what I did in my first year. And I said to him, Brad, I had six operations in six months. You don't want to do that, I can tell you that. So, um, no, you know, I hope Brad does a, a great job. And, you know, we know he's going to be with a good team here at Monster Tech 3 Yamaha. So um, they know what it's like to have rookies come in uh, and, and help them learn as well. So hopefully, you know, that will go in his favour. But it's very, very tough. It is... It was, uh, you know, I was shocked. I was shocked when I came to MotoGP at how tough it is. So um, it's now nice to, to sort of be nearer the front. Cal, you live on the Isle of Man, don't you? And we know, all know why you live there for the, for the wonderful weather. Um, and, and you're quite a fan of the TT races, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I do love the Isle of Man. I don't care if it rains. I really don't. You know, I go out cycling every day. Um, I love the Isle of Man. It's like a... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel that when I go on to go to the Isle of Man, I spend you know a lot of time there. But I feel like it's holiday. I know that sounds stupid. No one bothers you. You know, in where I live in my apartment, I've got no phone reception, which is perfect. So, you know, and then I just Sounds go out, I go out, I go out cycling, I go out running, you know, I spend a lot of time with Lucy, we just do whatever we want to do, we don't get hassled. And if, you know, we speak to anyone, it's normally, you know, for them to say congratulations or good luck and that's it, you know, there's nothing, you know, I never have any dramas in the Isle of Man. And, you know, when you go there, you think, oh, it's great to go there. And then when you leave, you think, ah, oh, back to the grind sort of thing. So. But yeah, I love the TT, you know, I, I go, if I could go from the start of practice week to the end of the race week, I would. But unfortunately, MotoGP put a race at the start and a race at the end, so I get there as soon as I can and spend a couple of days there. And you, you I think certainly this year and last year, and may, maybe even before then, you get you get on the closed rows yeah, yeah, lap, don't yeah. you? Which I, is did, I did the, uh, I, was, I was disappointed this year, I was supposed to do two laps, but I only managed to get the one. Um, so... 
Um, I went with John McGuinness on Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday evening. Um, when they didn't run the, run the senior, we, uh, John thought it was a good idea to obviously for him to go out and wave to the crowd that had stood there all day. It was just a shame. It was a little bit wet in a few places and too dangerous to be for them superbikes to be pushing around there. So I went and did a lap with him and yeah, it was good because a lot of the places were dry. So we could really push, but following John's just a completely different thing. You know, I have massive admiration for them guys who go and do the TT because, you know, yeah, I'm at, at the top of the sport, you know, as such in, in my Grand Prix racing. But I can tell you now, there'll be no guy here, go there and be as fast as John on the first year. I know, yeah, I know it takes three, three years or something like that. They might be in the end, but for him to do what he's done for so many years there is incredible. And when he was showing me the other day some things and this, that and the other, it was so nice. It was a real, real privilege to be able to do that. How, how hard were you pushing then last week when you went around with him? Oh, we weren't really pushing, but we were just, you know, he was on his superbike, I was only on a road bike, but um, yeah, we weren't going slow, but it was, it was good, it was nice. We were just waving to the crowd, but in some places you could go fast and uh, no, it's enjoyable. Do you ever see when you're a little bit older and you get bored here and you've, you wouldn't see yourself riding around there? I don't know. Everyone asks me this question all the time and all I ever want to say is yes, yes, yes. But there's someone always telling me, uh, I don't think it's the best idea, but that's, I do, I do think it's a great idea, but, um, you know, I think at the end of my career, I don't think I'll be wanting to go to the TT, but I'll go there every year and support it because I love the place. Hey, here's another one that you may have been asked 10,000 times. Can you, what are the main differences between being a great road racer and a great track racer? I don't quite get that. I don't, I really don't because John, you know, John's obviously, he's been in Grand Prix before in, um, so he's one of both, but he now turns his attention to the roads and he's not so interested in the short circuit. He's still a great short circuit rider. But what it seems to be is if you're not a bad uh, short circuit rider, you can go there and go real good. But a lot of them take a lot more risks than the others and that, it doesn't end well, you know. So I think that they're sort of born with it as well, that they're a little bit crazy and that they're a little bit, or maybe they're a little bit, actually a little bit safer, you know, in a respect of they know that the risks and the other guys don't particularly, or they try too hard or something like that. But I don't really know the separation. It, it is, you know, it is a big thing, uh, but how, you know, how they do it, I don't know. I really it, don't. It does look, honestly, to someone like me, I mean, it looks bloody dangerous. I mean, who wants to do that with a stone wall two feet away, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I said this to someone the other day. Everyone's, you know, all the reporters wanted to know um, the other day was about the danger of the TT and this, that and the other. And I said, it's not about the danger of the TT. It's, it's the people who want it stopped and this, that and the other. And uh, have, the TT has been going longer than they've been living. So, at the end of the day, um, it's the rider's choice. They all know the risks, and they do it because they love it, not because of the danger. And, you know, um, I don't, you don't even think about it. You can't think about it. You're racing a motorcycle. Yeah, no, sure, sure, sure. I wasn't suggesting for a moment it should be stopped. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, think, I mean, danger is part No, it won't of be stopped. Yeah. I'll make sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to um, race a car? I mean, would you do, do cars turn you on or not really? Um, I do like cars, no doubt, no, no doubt. But I like old classic cars more than, than, you know, like a fast car or something like. That. If someone said to me, "There's a Ferrari, go and drive it for a week," I tell you now, I drive it for a day and get back in my van. Because it's got, I've got no, you know, 
I'm not saying I've got no passion from it. I love cars and, you know, um, I've, I've had some nice cars before, but also I love motorbikes and motorbikes is my thing. Um, but I w I'd love to have a go in a decent car around a track, put it that way. On the road, I, I always have to think, I had, a, I had an M3 for a little while and it was pointless and just nearly lost my license all the time and it was so it was just a bike racer just wants to go fast permanently so a decent car for a motorbike racer is a disaster i can tell you that <laughs> well i tell you there's a very nice m5 out there which makes a very nice noise and i was looking at it and i was thinking i'd probably lose my license on the way home tonight yeah, yeah well yeah. and me <laughs> but i best drive it slow then Oh, it's yours, is it? <laughs> well, ah, I see. <laughs> okay, well, I kind of fell into that one, didn't I? Yes. Um, well, it does no, make it... I've actually uh, <laughs> have a very good relationship with BMW, so I get a nice car now and again. So what we've got that? on for this week, and that's that? it. So, But it's nice. It's a really, really nice car, that. But the thing is, with that, you can drive it quite sensible as well. Um, you know, it's a bit of a family car, but also if you want to go fast in it, you can go fast in it. It's a very if fast you, family if, car, actually. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, <laughs> put a restrictor on it. Um, yeah, if you hear something go around the track in a while, that might be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes a lovely noise, doesn't it? Um, we're nearly through, Cal, but um, as we're, this is going to be broadcast, as it were, at the Grand Prix at Silverstone, how much does the home crowd give you a lift? This is talked about a hell of a lot in cars and, and motorcycles. I mean, do you get maybe a tenth or two because people are just really willing you on? Uh, I don't know. What, like Yuri Geller with his spoon? If he really thinks about it, it meant. I, I, I tell you what, hopefully they can all sit in the, in, the, in the stands at the weekend and think that I can have a podium or something like that and it might happen. But um, no, seriously, you have to treat it as it's, though it's no other race. When you're on the track, you know, I, I love the fans being here um, and I've always done well at home. Obviously, last year was a disaster, but Super Sport and Superbike, I want to. Uh, I did a wild card in uh, World Superbike and I finished second in, in the rain at Donington. Um, I won at Donington World Supersport and I did the double here at Silverstone in World Superbike. So coming home to me is quite special. Um, last year obviously it didn't work, it was just one of those things and uh, but I love it, yeah. I, I like riding at home, there's no doubt about that and um, I like to, one, please people and I like to prove people wrong. So I suppose a, a mix of it both works and, uh, you know, I always try and do whatever I can, meet the, meet the fans and, as I said, last year, I said in an earlier interview, you know, last year not racing was more disappointing for me that the fans never got to see anything than, um, than me actually crashing because a broken bone for me can can heal but having the having the fans buy the t-shirts and, and flags and stuff like that it was disappointing it really was so uh, hopefully i can make amends this weekend well so you must know what it feels like because you obviously had heroes when you were a lot younger people maybe you wanted their autograph maybe you wanted to go to silverstone to watch them i don't know you tell me but so that you know you you know what it's like to really follow a a, a racer yeah, um, I know what it's like. I know what it's like as a, as a kid growing up, sort of watching the racing and stuff like that. So I can imagine what it's like when the kids come and stuff like that. It's nice and, you know, I'll always try and stop and reward them and, you know, say thanks for supporting as much as I can. Um, the only problem is with uh, with MotoGP, it's less accessible than, than World Superbike. You know, in a, 
in a way of coming to to thing but i always try and do my best and uh you know at the end of the day the fans are what makes the sport you were you mentioned earlier that obviously when you were growing up you were you know you always sort of looked looked up to rossi and things like that was that something that you ever thought of as you came into MotoGP that there you are you're suddenly actually on a grid beside these guys that you sort of you followed when you were younger or is that by the time you get to the stage is that just not um, really the case yeah the funny thing was and this is no word of a lie and when I went to Qatar last year I out qualified him at the first at the first qualifying session so I was pretty pleased with that but I didn't see which way he went in the race but I didn't really care <laughs> um, so yeah I had a feeling of uh Maybe, you know, last year a little bit overwhelmed as well with the whole thing. And people don't know how big a jump it is, you know. Um, then obviously it went backwards from when I broke my collarbone here, really. Um, how much of that to do with was to do with the, the gap getting bigger from the factory teams to the satellite teams is, you know, I think that, that was one of the key things because Colin was a lot more close to the front at the start of the end than what he was at the end of the year. Now... Um, I think that's gone out of it a little bit and um, you know having the sort of idols growing up you still respect them just as much but you've got to beat them as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then, then with the you know we had a question from a reader actually about you know when you have a have a moment or something like that how, how easy is it to come back from that and I suppose it's the same with the crash you know this time last year you mentioned just there you know the, the rest of the season was a struggle yeah, um, surely you know something like a crash. I mean, to a, to a biker who rides really badly on the road, let alone on a racetrack. If I have even a little moment for the next two months, I'm crapping myself. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I've rode here since my crash last year on a road bike and that. And I can tell you now, I'm not as good at turn two as what I was in, in World Superbike, and I know that myself. Not because, and this weekend will probably be completely different. I'll probably go through there a lot faster than what I did last year or the year before, but. You've always got it in, in your mind a little bit. And on the track, if you have a moment, you th when you come around the next lap, you think, ah, I had a moment here last lap, you know. And then the next lap, you think the same. And then the next lap, it's gone out of your mind, and then it happens again, so you're thinking, ah, you know, maybe maybe you should be careful. But it's just that's just the way it is, uh, you know. And the best, ra the best racers don't even think about it, they just do it. Yeah. Okay, I think we, we'll... We must wrap it up pretty quick because uh, Carl wants to got other things to do. I was going to say better things to do, but let's say other things to do. So, Matt, um, let's have one more point from you as our as our motorcycle, our well-informed motorcycle man. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I would just ask Carl what what if if he was in charge, what would he do? Would you to, to MotoGP? Do, do you, would you have a a sort of quick fix or a slow fix? I really don't know. I think the championship needs to take note a little bit when the best rider and the world champion is left because of what he says is the championship but i also think they're not doing a bad job you know um at all um i don't know you've got to look at it going similar to formula one i know we haven't got the money like that but if you reduce the cost of leasing the machines then these crt boys can afford the machines to be in in grand prix racing instead of crt um how they do it i don't know well, I hope you're not asking for a fix from me. <laughs> I'm not asking no. Good, good. Um, Carl, so I mean, this season's obviously started so well, really close to the podium. Is that an aim this season, on the podium? Oh yeah, it's an aim, yeah. Um, when it's going to come, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying the last race, and I was trying the race before, but um, yeah, it's, it's difficult, you know. It's really, them guys don't make mistakes, that's the problem. Um, Andrea's had a podium already this year and um, 
you know, at the start of the year, yeah, we beat him in the in the first couple of races, but at the end of the day, he's been in a factory team for three years. He's a very, very high calibre, and at the start of the year, I wasn't expected to be anywhere near him. So um, I don't think we're doing a bad job. Hopefully, if we can stay in that ballpark, we'll be there soon. And uh, I don't know when it will come. Hopefully, this weekend, we'll soon see. Well, the fans would like that. They would. They'd love it. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks. Yeah. Thank Cheers, you, Carl. Carl Cheers, guys. for joining us. And uh, we'll be back, uh, everybody, by the way, next month with our next podcast, which will be from the Goodwood Festival of Speed. We will be in the Drivers Club there, talking to as many of the drivers and riders, because don't forget the Festival of Speed is uh, cars and motorcycles. We'll be in the Drivers Club for our next podcast. That is obviously at the very beginning of July. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Motorsport Magazine, for the very best in motor racing.